and welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard, I'm your host this evening, and tonight is special for a couple of reasons. The first reason is this is getting recorded on our first anniversary. So it is kind of, it's been a year since We're Not Wizards was formed and put out there. So 46 or 7 shows later and some lots of downloads, we are still here. Now, the second reason it is special is because this is a work in progress show. And it's going to be called Nothing More Awesome Than One Free Elephant. And uh, I know why it's called that. You will know why it's called that. Because joining me this evening is uh, Sarah Kennington from One Free Elephant. So good evening, Sarah. Good evening. And how are you this evening? I'm fine, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Pleasant <laughs> night. <laughs> it's not been snowing, which is good. But it's not been cold enough so you get the frost. Because uh, we're about in the same area of Scotland as well, because we like to bring on the, the kind of the home advantage <laughs> from, time <laughs> to, from time to time. So... Um, the reason for anyone listening for the first time, and we've been doing this for a year, so you've no excuses now, but the reason that we do this is because there's quite simply not enough podcasts out there about board games. Before we dive in, we, as we normally say, we like to have a kind of, a, a, find out a little bit more about your good self. So find out a little bit about the past, maybe what you've been playing right now, and then we can look to the future of your cardboard destiny. So, um, do you want to tell can everybody how you kind of got into board games to begin with? Um, I've been playing board games all my life. Uh, my mum was a big board game fan, and I'm from a big family. There was six of us, all right. so we always played board games. I, you know, it was either card games or board games. There was always that sort of family evening. Uh, we sort of sat down after dinner to, to play games. Um, so it was something that I grew up with. Hopefully my kids have grown up with as well. Um, so yeah, so it was just... It, the, the sort of games I played when I was younger, though, was more yeah. the sort of standard. Um, we played a lot of Risk. We did play Monopoly, which I actually enjoy. Uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, we, we, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with a bit of Monopoly. I know that we, we, we occasionally kind of... Take the Michael out of it, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah. um, it was you know it, well. We were recently asked um, <clears throat> asked the question of what our guilty pleasure was, and uh, you know um, Colin did say he did like a a, a game of Monopoly. Mm. I'm pretty sure it was Colin that said that. I would of course completely <laughs> definitely not you. Yeah. But Risk was good. Risk yes. was always kind of borderline, kind of being between like kind of like a what you would call a luck type board game and really getting into a bit more kind of strategy. A lot um, of strategy, especially when you're playing at the, the maximum number of players, which we always did. Um, and it was always time-capped as well, so games could never last for more than two hours. Ah, right. So how often did you win? Probably, I don't know, I I always think of myself as having always won, but that's, yeah. you know, probably, probably not <laughs> true. Those tinted glasses. Jig, if you you know if you and the family get together again, there'll be kind of is that the type of thing that causes kind of falling outs and stuff like that? You're going like I've still got the risk badge to say I'm the champion. I still want it. Uh, no, I mean most of my family um, still play a lot of games. Uh, my, my twin sister, she's only recently got back into it again, mm-hmm. um, playing Ticket to Ride. All right, which okay. We introduced her to uh, my brother John. Um, he's got his own. Um, group that he plays with like once or twice a week. Oh, uh, cool! Okay. Yeah, so so they, they they play loads of games. Um, he plays it with my nephew as well. I think that's a group of four or five of them that play yeah. on a, a regular basis. Um, but no, so I th- we played Risk, we played Monopoly, uh, we played Coldest, which was my favourite game, um, and I was really pleased that. <laughs> Coldest was brought back out again by Osprey Games. Oh yeah, yeah, I got, I got, I got my hold, I got my hands on that. Yeah, it's a fantastic <laughs> game. I managed to sneak it over the wall and uh, <laughs> and let it kind of run free. And uh, yeah, and uh, I actually, I actually, one of the things I took it into work and uh, my boss 
because he says, what's that? I says, it's Escape from Colditz. He went, hang on. And he proceeded to show me a picture of him from Facebook with him and his and him and his wife and his son gathered around a box that was from the 70s going, is it, is it this one? And he opened it and you could actually hear the kind of the, the nostalgia kind of coming out of his eyes kind of going, look at this, it's got this and it's got a wee passport and it's got this and it's fantastic. But It's a fantastic game, yeah. The copy oh. we've got is over 10 years old. Is it? Um, oh, cool. Yeah, and we, we got it. I mean, so that, that wasn't my mum's copy. That was just a copy I'd remember buying. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it was like 10, 15 years ago. And when I'd seen it, and I thought, oh my God, I love that game. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so, it's one of these things you see as a child. You're thinking, oh my God, I, I loved playing games. But um, I suppose I sort of fell away from it a bit um, when you sort of get into being a teenager and sort of growing up and whatnot um, and when I met my husband um, he sort of pulled me back into gaming um, oh by cool introduced me more into um, RPGs sort of started playing uh, D&D with him and his group of friends uh, oh, right. and, and they sort of moved on from there yeah so it's like do you want to do you want to meet my mates yeah yeah sure uh, there's, uh, there's, there's Dave over there what was Dave do well most of the time, he's a level five barbarian, but uh, <laughs> the rest of the time he works in standard life. Yes. Um, so, I mean, um, what you've been playing at the moment? I mean, if you're, I mean, it sounds like you're you're into a plethora of things. Your your RPGs and cardboard. I mean, have you have you got kind of like regular games you're bringing to the table just now? Yeah. Um, at the so we've been playing Pandemic Legacy, which we finished uh, in January. And how'd you get on? You know, I, I hate spoilers. We didn't do as well as we would have liked to have done in this sort of scoring at the end. Yeah. But that was because of that, that whole 200 point thing. All right, okay. Um, which was quite annoying. Because uh, right, we'd only okay. ever lost three games out of the 12. So we thought ah, we'd done right, really well. Okay. Okay. But yeah, but I I loved it. I've kept all the bits. I've taken lots of photographs, and I'm going to build a a frame so that we've got the game and the card pieces and all the the bits and pieces and photographs of us throughout. <laughs> so it's going to be you know, like a like a diary of when when we when we all played Pandemic Legacy. Yes, yeah, it's like put it up on the wall. I, I loved it. I absolutely adored playing Pandemic Legacy. It was just. It was a really fun game. Every game was different. It was you know, fantastic. I, I, Can't I wait like, till season two comes out. I mean, what I like about it is we are kind of, I mean, it's been out for a while now, and yet people are still beautifully kind of wary of, like, shouting out kind of massive spoilers to it. Do you know what I mean? It's like there's nobody yeah. that's there's nobody that's come on and says, oh, beware of August, <laughs> for there be, you know, there'd be rashes about the castle and stuff like that. I mean, people have stayed quite quiet, which is... I guess it's testament to the um, testament to the kind of the industry that surrounds it because the video game industry they seem to release half the game out before <laughs> before, before anybody gets out. their hands on it at the moment. Yeah, here's a here's a video and let's give um, here's a video and let's give people kind of YouTubers uh, access to the entire game so they can stream it for six weeks before the actual game is out. But um, that is a that's a rant for another podcast, yes. and I'm not going to bring that in. I'm not going to bring that in here. Um, anything you, I mean, you mentioned you've you finished Pandemic Legacy. Is there anything that's taken over from that that you, you know, um, maybe you Nigel kind of got involved in recently? We're sort of playing um, Alchemist, which All right, we just okay. got a few weeks ago. Okay, uh, we sort of go over to our friend Jason's house. Yeah, um, it's, it's usually on a Tuesday night. Um, so that we can all play together. And we've, we've played that a couple of times. The first time took us a couple of hours to punch it all out and read the rules. Um, and then when we actually played it, it was a fantastic game. There's just so much going on. There's so many choices that you've got to make uh, that will influence how you're, you know, how well you'll do in the game. Uh, but you can, you can pick the direction you want to take. You can be someone that's just willing to take lots of guesses and just say, I think this is going to work, and just throw up some cards and put a spell out there. So um, what's, it, what's it about then? I mean, obviously I'm going to be, nah, what's it about? <laughs> oh, it's about road 
it's about road um, road workers. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. You, basically, you've got um, various herbs. I think there's eight or nine different herbs, and you have to combine them to make potions. Mm-hmm. So the different potions will either have a positive effect or a negative effect, um, and you have various paths that you can take. You can either try and make potions so that you can sell them to heroes. Yeah. You can make potions so that you can then get awards to say you've made a particular type of potion or that you've been able to discover, you know, what something does. Uh, and then you've also got people that can then say, no, I think you're lying. And you can try and discredit people. <laughs> oh, right, okay. Oh, <laughs> you've got, you've, it's like a little hidden... I've just brought up pictures of it just now, so it's like a little, you get your own little kind of hidden screen yes. that you hide things behind and stuff like As that. Well. Take oh, that looks kind of, it looks wonderful. It's it by, is um, really cool. It's Czech Games Edition. Yeah. And for those who, who maybe haven't heard of Czech Games Edition, uh, then get out, because they did code names, and uh, if you haven't heard of them, then that's fine. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, it looks lovely. It looks absolutely it, stunning. It is really good fun. You've got little potions. Like if you can see in the picture, you've got little, little little potions that you have to sort of pop in to your mm. board, your screen, so that, and then you've got a sheet in front of you. So you've got to try and understand which potions work well together, so that you can also deduce which other potions create or which other combinations create other potions. So you don't need to um, actually discover each type of potion. You can deduce which ones could make other potions and therefore make guesses based you know, on what you're doing. So, But it's fun. It, it only lasts for six rounds. Um, and you, you get to the fifth round and you're just getting the hang of it. You're thinking, okay, right, I know what I'm doing. I know what these potions doing. What do you mean it's the last round? <laughs> so is that why you've been playing it so often? Because you've kind of got the hang of it and now you're yeah. kind of going back and saying, right, okay, this time. This, this time. time. This time. This time we'll see who gets yeah. poisoned. Um, but it, it's, it's really good fun. It takes a, it says it takes about an hour, hour and a half, hmm. but it takes about two and a half hours because people take ages, you know, in your turn thinking, no, no, wait, I need to figure out what does this do? <laughs> oh, oh, no, I've not finished my turn yet. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> so is it, is it, it looks like a perfect uh, recipe for analysis paralysis. Yes. Which means, that, um, which means that we have to get hold of this so that Colin can play it because that will be fantastic because uh, Colin will spend hours between turns on this which is going to be good fun. Um, is there anything else you're playing at the moment? That's... I'm trying to think actually. So we've played, we've, we've been playing that. Um, we're playing at Mythos Tales. So this, All right, okay. when we went to Essen in October, there we brought back quite a few two-player games. Yeah. Because um, the majority of games we've got are for four players. They're mainly for the family. Yeah. Uh, but our children are thirteen and fifteen. And oh, we have an older right, okay. boy who's actually in his mid twenties. All um, right. But the the two that are 13 and 15, they're sort of getting into their own thing more, so they're playing less board games. Yes. Um, so we wanted to get a lot of games that we could just play together. Yeah. So we sort of se- seem to have went down a whole Sherlock Holmes theme. So we've got like Mr. Jack, uh, yeah. got really good games we picked up called Holmes and Mycroft. All right, okay. Um, and uh, we also picked up Mythos Tales as well, which is a terrific investigative game again you can tell i like these sort of investigative style yeah. games where you sort of got yeah. to really sit and think um the thing i love about mythos tales is that you have a newspaper that you read you have a small storyline um you have the you know the biggest cheat that is the professor that manages to do everything in 10 turns when it takes you about 20 turns to figure it out um is it like um, Sherlock Holmes consulting detective then? It's exactly like that. Would oh, okay. Sherlock Holmes cheat as well? I take it then. <laughs> well, no, I mean, you do like an investigation, and then you you, you kind of 
you say, okay, it's this, 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 and this, and then you read the, it's not a solution, but then Sherlock tells you how many turns he would have done, solved it in, you know, and then it's always ridiculously less than whatever you would have kind of done. And it's impossible um, as well. So they'll say things like, so it's the exact same idea. So the professor will say, I, you know, in 10 turns, I solved it this way by visiting these people in this order. And you think, no, you can't have done because you had to have visited this person and got this requirement card to have figured out this clue. You know, you're like, no, you're just lying. (laughs) (laughs) But we sort of wait on the, um, the errata to come out. <laughs> yeah. And when the errata comes out, then we play it because the errata will come out and say, "Oh, this clue is wrong, and this clue yeah, exactly. should be this." But, it, but it's fun. It's a, you know, it can take an hour. It can take up to three hours. Some of them. But it, it, it sort of you have a big conversation. You know, you're mm. sitting there thinking, "Oh, what shall we do? What's the best direction?" And then you sometimes argue about what you think is the clue that's coming out of the information that's there but uh do you put on do you put on silly voices no (laughs) should we (laughs) i i I don't i I, do you know what we um when we played letters from whitechapel which is kind of like it's a hidden movement kind of chasing jack the ripper about the streets of whitechapel which is why it's not just a clever name I did put on really bad London accents, especially when I was the police, and especially when I was Jack the Ripper, and it was jolly good fun. But um, right. that's a tale for another time. But um, <clears throat> Mythos Tales is about what thirty odd pounds, really? It's kind of I can't uh, remember because yeah. we went to Essen, and who knows how much it <laughs> cost? Bl- it's just a blur. <laughs> we, we, yeah, we we took a, a suitcase inside a suitcase. All <laughs> oh, right, okay. With very so few clothes. Kind of <laughs> yeah, it was it was that type of trip, you know. It's like you come back and all the cases are full. And there's and, no um, buyers. There decide. must be no buyer's remorse at all, does it? It was kind of was, was there any kind of thing? So I didn't buy that. Well, you must have bought that because I didn't buy it. Or was it just a case of there's acceptance that there's going to be stuff in here that was bought on a whim and that might never ever get played or. Have you managed to play everything in that suitcase, both suitcases, or is that the most ridiculous question in this entire interview so far? We, we played everything. We bought one game, which, ah. uh, which, um, so I'd went with uh, my husband Nigel and my brother yeah. John, um, yeah. and I picked up this game called the Japanese card game because my daughter likes Japanese. Yeah. She's been learning Japanese, and I thought, oh, it'd be good for her, um, and it's never been opened. But every other game has been played. Have you played? I, I um, played, loved them all. Every game we bought, we loved. Have you? Um, have you got Takedo then? If your daughter loves I, Japanese stuff, I hated Takedo. Did you? <laughs> well, there you go then. I just found it really boring. Um, Is there not enough excitement in murders and alchemy? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's going around going, going to another restaurant. Then, yep, that'll be good. Then, when? <laughs> when is it? When do we find the body? Yeah, it was, it was, I mean, it was a. I think it'd be a an enjoyable game, I suppose, if you were sitting having a glass of wine and chatting, and you just had to come over and take your turn every so often. Uh, I found it very slow as a game to play, and I didn't really enjoy it as a. I think there was three of us played it, three or four. Mm, it. Yeah, and it was just too slow. I think um, you have to be in the right mood for it. I think if it's like maybe possibly. a Friday. If you've had a hard week and it's a Friday and you're just sitting down, kind of chillaxing, and chillaxing, that's so <laughs> last decade, isn't it? Um, <clears throat> I'll edit that out, that's rubbish. Um, I won't, I'll keep it in, because I'm old. Um, but um, yeah, I think you have to be in the right kind of mood. I mean, there's games out there that you'll obviously, you can you jump straight into it and it'll be action-packed and you're ready to go, and other ones you just want to... Just gently let life kind of pass you by as you decide to select a card kind of thing. So is this kind of the opposite end of, was it the opposite end of, say, alchemists? So is alchemists on one side of excitement, to Kairos on the other? Well, we, we bought Cottage Garden, All which right, is, okay. I suppose, on the other side of alchemist. Yeah. You know, hmm. and it's a really nice small game that hmm. you're just very casually 
taking turns at sort of figuring out which one you're going to pick, you know, making yeah. up your little garden. Yeah. Um, I played that with my mum and she loved it. And okay. that's a really nice little game. So, I mean, so I do like some slow games. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I liked Cottage Garden. I liked the fact that you, you're having to plan several steps ahead uh-huh. of what, you know, of where you're currently positioned um, so that you can try and understand what options are you going to have. If you take a piece at this point, how are you going to either interrupt the other player or ensure that the next piece that you want to collect is still going to be available? But yeah, I did. I really enjoyed um, Cottage Garden. It was good fun. Cool. I've played that quite a few times, actually, since then. And is there anything that I mean, having obviously all of a lot a large amount of games played, is there anything you've kind of got your eyes on at the moment that you're kind of coveting that you'd like to have a shot of? There's so there's quite a few things I'm quite looking forward to. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to Charterstone coming out. Yes, 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 absolutely, without a doubt. I spoke yeah. to Jamie about that, and that just sounds um, fascinating. Doesn't and, uh, it just names down on the um, please? Please alert me when this is out. <laughs> <laughs> kind of thing. Is he going to put that through Kickstarter? I was quite unclear. No, he's no, no. he's not. No. Yeah, because I had read that he wasn't going to, and then listening to your interview with him, I was quite. Oh, is that going on Kickstarter? I'm. I'm not very sure. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I really. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. I'm really looking forward to. Pandemic Legacy Two. Yes. Um, yeah. No. I me- I mentioned and I mentioned to him that he should. Uh, um, I think it came around because I had a joke with him about how what should happen when he opened the box. <laughs> <laughs> because he was talking about exploding kittens, and I said that when we opened, I think it was Mechs versus Minions, that almost had its own thing where it went no. And I said, well, you should do that for Charterstone. I said, and you should have that as like a. If you reach a certain amount, like a, almost like if it was a stretch goal, so that's where the confusion, uh, confusion lay. So where I was editing it, I was punching myself in the face because Jamie was saying, "I'm not putting this on Kickstarter," and yet I kept referencing shit stretch goals. So yeah. I'd like to use this. I'd like to use this opportunity on our first anniversary of our show to obviously remind people that a year on, I'm still a muppet. <laughs> so that's how that's how that is. Um, <clears throat> And I'm looking yeah, forward so to pandemic, Grimm. Yeah. I'm looking forward to Grim as well, which All is right, okay. uh Druid City Games. Um yeah. uh, and the just the artwork in it just looks phenomenal. They've got these tiny little miniature houses, which are the three little pigs' houses. Um and they've just got absolutely stunning artwork. Uh that I, I really like, you know, if I'm playing a game. It, the artwork needs to be good. I need to be able to visually enjoy what I'm looking at, as well yeah. as enjoying yeah. the mechanics, as well as enjoying the company um, that I'm playing the games with. If a game looks bad, or if the components feel bad, I just don't enjoy the game. I can't enjoy a game if the card quality is really poor. Yeah. Um, because you, all, you, all you do is concentrate on the fact that the art's rubbish and the pieces are rubbish. I know. So, okay, so that leads us quite nicely, segue-wise, into when... Let's talk... Let's get into Awesome because we have... Uh, we've talked enough about other people's games. So let's talk about yours. I mean, first of all, I guess the first question always is, is what made you decide when you're sifting through and playing a lot of games and all the games that you've been playing for the last, you know, for however long, what made you decide, I can do this, I can generate, do something myself. So what made you decide to do that? And and, and was it awesome? Was it the first idea that you had or was it first of, you know, was it the last of many that you'd had in the past? Um, no, so we'd been, my daughter... Zoe plays a lot of Pokemon. So she ah, played right, okay. competitive Pokemon for um, four or five years. And uh, we, so I used to drive down to England a lot so that she could attend competitions. And on oh, one of okay. our journeys down south, um, 
the conversation just sort of turned to, if you could make a game, what game would you make? Um, and I'm obsessed with transport. A lot of the games that I like are all either boat-related or train-related or, you know, I played mm. a London Underground game a couple of weeks ago and I thought, well, this is fabulous. I like this game. <laughs> you know, I've, I've got a real affinity to to transport-based games. Right. Um, so I, my idea was I'd like to have a game that was a train game, like a, a ghost train-style idea. Mm. Um but then I realised that there was a game called Ghost Train. I thought, oh, I don't want to do that. So I thought, oh, a mining game. I'll do that instead. Um, and then through various journeys going up and down to England with Zoe, we sort of developed the game. So we came up with ideas as to what the mechanics would look like, what the gameplay would look like. And then I just sort of started then writing these ideas down. I thought, oh, I I could do this. This this doesn't look that bad. This doesn't seem too hard. <laughs> I'll <laughs> just get I'll then. <laughs> type this up and then I'll just stick it up in Kickstarter and then I'll just <laughs> listen to the ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching <laughs> as so, the pledges yeah. roll on in. <laughs> so that was a couple of years ago, yeah. And then once you start, <laughs> right, okay. start yeah. writing it down, you're thinking, oh, oh, how do I do this? How do I do that? And, yeah. um, and Nigel had su- suggested that I should go along to a playtesting group. Mm-hmm. So he had found the Glasgow Games Lab, um, which is a group run by Kenny Lee. Um, mm. They sort of run out of various, it's usually in a, a bar or whatever, we'll, we'll, uh, people will meet up. Um, and it works really well. So you can take your game along, people will playtest it, and you get to playtest other people's games. And really you spend the evening talking about game design, game mechanics, and taking a critical view from people about what works and what what doesn't work. Because that's really important, isn't it? Because it is your baby, essentially. And it's really, really important that if somebody says to you, um, four moves doesn't work here, you only really should be having three, otherwise you break the game. That you can take that and say... It's very, very easy to be kind of, I guess, kind of defensive about your own product. And did that? Did the playtesting help? Did it kind of? Did it yeah. help to hone what you were what you were aiming for? Then it, it does because it's sort of the idea of what you generally start out with. So the the flavour of what I wanted to do, which was a mining game that people sort of gathered ore that had a dexterity element to it where you would move your carts around this mine. All of that is, you know, is what I started with and what is still in the game. Mm. But the actual defined mechanics, the uh, the little nuances of playing the game, having contracts, having um, a shunting mechanism, those those all sort of were developed through... Um, so people like the same things that they liked... And then you just sort of try and say, well, what about if you do this? Or people giving you ideas to say, have you thought about this with a card? Have you thought about that with a card? Um, And it is very much one big collaborative journey that you go on with with lots of different designers as well. Mm -hmm. So Mm. I would say it's a great experience. I still love meeting up with various game designers just so that you can sit and chat. You know, it's nice to just talk about game design and, and what we're doing and you know and, and what are people trying to achieve uh, so that sort of respect it works really really well and I'm now part of two game design groups so I go through to the one in Edinburgh as yeah, well okay. as the one in Glasgow so I mean I take it that's helped you you say that's really helped you kind of get where you are you are today then yeah and, cool okay 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 so <clears throat> You said that you mentioned obviously like presentation components, quality, and stuff like that. When you, I mean, you've got you've got the mixture of quality and cost, um, and it's a fine balance. I mean, we've all well, everybody, I think, at some point has looked at a Kickstarter and went, "Oh, that could be maybe a bit better." Um, did you go in with a mindset that 
if I'm doing this, this has to be kind of a hundred percent kind of on my terms, as in I want high quality, I want the best components I can get. Yeah. So I mean, one of the things with making a family game mm. is that you're looking at that family market, and you know you're not going to spend forty, fifty pounds on a game necessarily, which is just a family game. Yeah. Um, the majority of people, when they're looking at those forty, fifty pound games, they're looking at I'm going to have it with my game night. I'm expecting there to be lots of minis. I'm expecting there to be a lot of depth and strategy, and it will take the evening to play. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, whereas with a family game, you want to set it up and it be finished within an hour. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, be- before there's tears. <laughs> <laughs> did you um, did you end up kind of playing, kind of looking at the kind of the games that were on that market kind of thing? More of the family games did that kind of? Did you end up playing a few more of them than say your usual? Kind of maybe you know your eclipses and stuff like that. Of this world, which we're going to take four or five hours to play. Well, well, we have lots of family games right, as well. Okay. So um, we've got various uh, ticket to ride variations. We've yeah. got Black Fleet, which is a really good sort of pirate and merchant ship style game. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, we've got Cash and Guns, uh, yes. Celestia, which we just bought, which is fantastic beautiful game um so we you know so we play quite a lot quite a, a broad spectrum of games be they mm. you know the family games for uh when friends come over that maybe don't play big games that you know you only want to play a game for an hour so they don't lose interest mm. um as well as some of the heavier games um as well but yeah so as part of developing awesome I wanted to ensure that the, the game was cost-effective, um, but that it was also of a really high quality. I wanted there to be moulded carts, which is quite an expensive component for a yes. game. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, and I wanted there to be a little dog called Scraps. Um, yes, that... what, is this all, what is this all about? Explain, was... explain the dog. <laughs> <laughs> so so the, the dog, it was sort of, um, um, sort of a throwaway comment you know like wouldn't it be great if there was a wee dog and i can't yeah. even remember who it was that mentioned it because it wasn't me and i thought that's a great idea yeah i really like that sort of idea that there's a little dog that can sit in your car that will protect your oar um, and then one of our friends who uh, created the 3d models he created the little dog so that you've got this dog that sits on the cart with its paws hanging over and it's tongue lolling out the side, and then it's got a <laughs> flat base, so it fits quite neatly into your car. So yeah. you can still get the oar in as well. Yeah. And it's just it's such a cute little thing to have. <laughs> <laughs> so that was just like a little luxury. It was just and a it was little like, luxury, yeah. It's not like even a stretch goal or anything like that. It's like, no, Scraps no, is in from the beginning. It's a core basically. component of the game, yeah. Uh-huh, that's good. So, so we've, we've got the game... Um, <laughs> So there's there's going to be decent quality card stocks. So it's mm. going to be like the 300 GCM um, oh, if we okay. just fund. But I really like um, sort of the 310 linen field cards. Yeah. So that's like our first stretch goal is getting okay. you know those type of cards. Um, and then there's there's not much in the way of stretch goals because you know the majority of the game is going to be a you know as a core good quality. There's going to be the two mil tiles, there's going to be a lovely designed plastic um, insert that all the components will go into. Yeah. Uh, you know, so there, there, was, there wasn't much in the way of that I could think of, well, what would I say would be a stretch that I wouldn't say would need to be a bare minimum as yeah. a delivery? I remember you putting up the, the preview link in the UK Kickstarter group. Yeah. And I think one of the first the first comments that came out was, that's a very, very low target. How are you, you know, why is it such a low target? And um, <clears throat> and you've come out and you've basically said, well, listen, um, I want this to be, this game to be good quality. Therefore, you've sunk money into it to make yeah. sure that, you know, there's a smaller, there's a smaller kind of, um, I guess, a, a smaller kind of target to reach. Was that, you know... Um, 
was that a kind of a decision that you'd made quite earlier on from the beginning in the game? Yeah. So when we found um, our artist, and uh, again, Pokemon related, we were at the UK uh, Nationals down in Birmingham. And there was this caricature artist that was there that I was speaking to. And he was showing me um, sort of artwork that he did for various books that he was trained in. So the Disney Studios in Paris. All right. Okay. And I just, I just loved that sort of comic um, Disney-esque style of art. So when we engaged him, I realised that well, he's a professional artist. He'll expect to be paid. Yeah, so, exactly. You know, yeah. you're not going to, yeah. you know, you're not going to get an artist <clears throat> of that caliber that's going to no, spend several thousand pounds worth of effort yeah. and then say, "Pay me if you fund." You know, yeah. so that's uh, the whole thing. Is the whole argument about well, if you do this for free, I'll make sure you're getting kind of exposure. It's like, mate, if you're having to ask me to work for free, how big is your exposure going to be? Kind of thing. So it's almost like a, it's almost like a bit of a double edged sword. But yeah, so <clears throat> you got the you got the artist in. So we got and, the artist in. We got yeah. all the artwork completed, um, because Justin takes on. Um, you know, he's quite a busy artist, so yeah. sometimes he would he would do a few of the cards, and then he couldn't do anything for a few months because he maybe had a contract to do book art or you know another piece of professional art. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I wanted all the art completed before we did the Kickstarter. So that means having it all funded up front. Mm-hmm. I also wanted to fund the mould as well so that and, and basically half the production you know, I mean I think it's a great game I think you know the, it's going to be a really fun game to play it's going to be a great one that you'll be able to just bring out um, and once you can play the game you can probably play it in about half an hour yeah you yeah. know um, even with like four people it's only going to take like 40-50 minutes um, to play so it's the sort of game that you can get you know, you can do midweek with your children, um, or you can play with your friends, whatever. Um, so I wanted to make sure that, you know, they always say, well, you should only be charging what you would need to fund the game. And yes. I thought, well, I can fund half of it. Yes. So so why should I be asking people to pay for all of it when yeah. I, I, I can fund half of it? So so that yeah. that's basically the approach that I've taken. And I've said that at the bottom of the Kickstarter as well, you know. Oh, no, I mean, you've been completely open with that. I mean, it's kind of to be... I mean, because what you'll get is folks saying, well, four grand, what kind of game are we going to get if they're only funding <laughs> on kind of like four grand? And then you've actually to say, rather than... And then the other extreme is when you see a card... You, you know, you see like a card game <clears throat> and it's like £45,000 target and you're like... Yeah. <laughs> All right, how, you know, what and are I, you, what? what? <laughs> you and know? the thing is, as a... As a designer and someone who's actually had quotes from several companies, yeah. you know how much things cost. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know what, so, you, yeah, we're going to have, uh, you're going to get your card game, but we are going to have a really big party. Yes. Kind of thing. So you do, you do look at it and you're thinking, hmm, why is something costing so much? But then you've got other games where you can see that the, the you know, why, they need so much money because of the, volume of art that they'll have yes. to produce yes. you know so if you're having to produce a hundred unique cards you know yeah. that's maybe why the cost will be so yeah. high and um, i guess on the other side of it when you're going out for costs and you're going out for quote for costs a lot of people will say will tell you what will go for the basic the basic basic to get the card kind of made in terms of materials because you don't really want to go kind of halfway on the art because they are yeah. nine times that you know nine times out of ten it'll sell it unless come somebody comes along and goes the mechanics on this are absolutely fantastic you can't you know you you have to get this game even though it looks a little bit shoddy you do get people that will come in and say right twelve and a half k or fifteen k that gets us funded for the minimum of the minimum and as you said yourself that's when you go up to like your 310 in terms of your linen finish and stuff like that you know people are looking at stretch goals for the the quality of the game and that's why people have lots and lots of stretch goals do you want a get do you want a dice bag do you want do you want an insert for the cards do you want us to produce like uh you know 
do you want a kind of um kind of proper proper backings do you want alternate this do you want bigger cards you know better dice translucent dice and this is because everybody's working with a, within a budget and then someone like yourself it's kind of so unusual that i think that was a major comment on the kickstarter <laughs> group was kind of like that was kind of like what was coming on so you've reached the point where i mean it is the it is the 13th of january so (laughs) when we go in live so probably tomorrow when i finish work (laughs) just just go home (laughs) flip flip the kettle on sit down boot up the computer well, technically, I'm working from home button. tomorrow because um, it's the All school right, holidays. Okay. So, yeah, so it'll ha- be like four o'clock. We'll like, get right, work computer off. Yeah. Normal computer on. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, are you, how are you feeling about it just now? Because is there's no, there's not really, is there any major changes you could turn around and make now? Or are you kind of locked in? Are you comfortable with where things are before you press the button? No, I think I'm very comfortable, actually. So, um, you know, we've had um, a graphic designer, uh, Jason, who's actually our, uh, the person that we play board games with on a Tuesday. Um, he's a mm. professional graphic designer. Uh, oh, we, know right, quite, okay. we know quite a lot of arty people, you know, thankfully. Um, yeah. And, you know, so he's produced um, a really good version of the box, a really good version of the rules, um, my husband Nigel's made the um, the the page, the Kickstarter page. Yeah, which, which I noticed the Kickstarter I like. page. I think is it looks ki- good. It's kicking because it's of the animated good. gifs on it. So hats off to you, Nigel. <laughs> Nigel, because um, we'll put. Well, obviously, we'll have a link in in the show notes. But um, it's a it's a very very attractive looking. Kickstarter page, and it serves the purpose of uh, there's lots, lots of lovely little kind of animated gifs, which yeah. help explain how um, how Orson works. And linking into that, because we've talked about the game, what's it about? I know obviously it's about mining, and there's about gems. But for the people who are hearing this for the first time, explain it. You know, explain explain what Orson is all about. So the the game is set in um, a Wild West mine. You know, if, if you think back to like the eighteen forties, eighteen fifties style period, um, it's <laughs> remember to be it like the, it was yesterday. <laughs> like it was yesterday. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's, it's supposed to be the, a day working in the mine. So you've yeah. got six rounds or eight eight rounds, depending on whether or not you know you worked a long day or a short day. Um, the purpose of the game is to just Go around, um, collect ore. You then keep that ore in your cart. Now you can't keep rearranging the cart. You can only add to the cart, and then you can take it out, and you can either sell it to the bank, or you can try and find. There's two contract agents. There's Mac Cortland, who uh, takes the smaller volume of, or the cheaper style of ore. Really, mm-hmm. you know, the copper and the silvers. And then you've got Baron Pierce, uh, who takes just silver and gold. So depending on what type of ore you have, would depend on which type of contract agent you would try to get close to. All right, okay. Um, and then there's cards that you collect um, that are you know specific contracts for those two characters. So you can choose whether or not you're just going to collect contracts for Mac Cortland or whether or not you're going to just collect contracts for... Baron Pierce. Now, depends. Are they on... named after any people in particular? No, no, I, I can't remember how we came up with those names. <laughs> we just, just thought they were quite, they were quite sort of a um, fun names that yeah. were sort of you know thematic. Yeah. Okay. There's no kind of like ex-boss or kind of friend of the family <laughs> that's going to be grinning or cringing when they hear they're in the kind of the game. <laughs> no. No. Um, although the characters are named after uh, the, the children, my children. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, so there's four characters that you can play. Um, mm. You've got uh, Zoe, who's yeah. named after my daughter. Yeah. Um, Lewis, who's named after our older son. 
Uh-huh. Um, and Doc Francis, who's named after Frankie. Francis, oh, right. Our okay. youngest son. Okay, cool. cool. Um, and then there's another character, Jesse. Um, and there's two stretch goals, James and Silas. Uh, oh, right. Okay. Which were two, are two extra cards, which, which will just give you variety to be able to yeah. play. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Jesse and James. So they've got that sort of well Western feel of, you know, Jesse James. Jesse James, yeah. But in okay. reality, <laughs> they're my favourite Pokemon characters. <laughs> what? <laughs> Which is Team Rocket, Jesse you've and dropped James. A, you've dropped a Team Rocket reference into your game. Yeah, absolutely. I always, when I, I used to play with Lewis when Pokemon first came out, yeah. I had the Team Rocket deck. Always been a huge fan of Team Rocket. Oh, there you go. Yeah, You've heard so. it here, folks. Now, I don't know if that's either a reason to back <laughs> or a reason to back twice. Definitely. Um, but, yeah, so, so you've got that bit of the game. Hmm. Um, and then as you're sort of going around, you, there's lots of different action cards which yeah. allow you to either improve your ability to get more ore or to hand in more contracts or for you to essentially intercept and sabotage other players um, by stealing ore from them, by shunting into the back of their carts, mm-hmm. um, where you can even do a chain reaction where you sort of shunt into one cart and then as it moves forwards, it shunts into another cart and then they're all dropping ore. Um, Is this where the dexterity, you said it's the, the kind of semi-dexterity part comes into it with the, the shunting of the carts? So mm-hmm. the, the dexterity comes in trying to put the ore into your cart. Uh, more oh. than anything so some of the cards uh, some of the contracts look for you to have like four or five bits of a specific type of ore uh. Uh, but they give you the most money so if you can get five bits of gold ore in your cart and you have that card that's $40 uh, and that's like a winning card almost yeah, um, yeah. it's really hard to do though because people will try and steal the, the ore from you or hit your cart so the ore falls out essentially um but yeah, so it's stacking the ore in. Um, I think the most we've had was either 19 or 21 cubes in that tiny little cart. <laughs> and that's... once you've got four in, you can see it sticking out the top. <laughs> <laughs> that's a decent um, That's a decent effort. <laughs> getting that much in there. But <clears throat> yeah, so, you know, so it's, you've got the dexterity element of keeping the ore in and then moving your cart with all the ore in it. Yeah. So, you know, so th- those are the main dexterity elements of it. If you're shunting someone along, you yeah. know, you're, you're not supposed to ram the back of their cart so as all the ore falls out. You're supposed to no. move it in and then you move the carts yeah. along, okay. as it were. Okay, okay. Do you lose kind of ore if you're moving your cart and the stuff falls out? Yes. Yes. You? If it falls out, it falls out. <laughs> if you drop it when you're yeah. putting it in, You've dropped it. Um, there's no saying, oops, missed that. Let's pick it back up again. Um, really? there, there is an element, there is one of the actions in the game uh-huh. um, where, so there's two phases. There's a phase where you move, and that's where everybody rolls the dice. You then uh, move the number of pips. So if, it's, if you rolled a two, you would move two, um, uh-huh. unless you had cards which either reduced your move or increased your move. Which yeah. you can play on yourself and on other people. So if somebody rolls a three yeah. and you want them to move six, you can play a card on them which forces them to move six. Um, and then, so that's the move phase. And then in the dig phase, there's three elements. You can either, you dig for ore, which you must do, even if you don't think you have any space left in your cart, you must dig for ore. Uh-huh. Uh, you must hand in, or you can then hand in a contract or hand in the ore to the bank. Or you can okay. pick up ore that's sitting on the tiles around you, or tile that you're on, not the tiles around you. So if mm. you're sitting on a tile and there's three bits of ore, you which can somebody pick, else has dropped. You which, can pick yeah, up. which anybody else has dropped. Ah, right, you okay. can pick up any or all of that ore. So you could pick up one, two, or three of those bits. But and you can only do it once. You've got to decide: are you picking up all three, or are you picking up just one or two? And then you get the whole thing of that if you then move, and then some of your ore falls out. Then you've yeah. lost it. All oh, right. Or, or if you pick it is, up and then yeah. you drop more ore than what you've picked up, 
you know, it's got a negative effect. <laughs> this it sounds like a cruel, harsh world that you've created. Oh, it's a wild here, west. Sarah. You know, it wasn't. You know, it wasn't all no, it wasn't, and Life wasn't. <laughs> life wasn't easy. Um, how long does it take to play? It takes <clears> about. Um, we've got on the box forty to sixty minutes. Yeah. Um, but it depends on obviously the type of family. If you hmm. um, are a pretty experienced gamer and use move quite quickly. I think a lot of the playtesters um, and a lot of the review families that it's went out to have said about half an hour to 40 minutes. That's pretty um, decent. Which is pretty, you, know, you should be able to play it in under an hour. Um, and that was quite a difficult thing to, to, to decide what you're going to put on the side of the box. Is that why you put the limiter in in terms of the number of rounds then? I mean, was it? Yeah. I, I mean... Uh, I mean, is it a case that once you've finished all six or eight rounds that you total up kind of like the points that you have? And Yeah, so, you know, in, in that way, you know, for, I think especially for a lot of children, they need to understand when a game a game ends. Yeah. You know, so I think it's very good for them to understand that when we get to here, the game's ended. Yeah. Um, but you've also got the aspect where you, you then have to... St- to develop your strategy so that you can gain as much money as you can within that constrained time. It's like the the alchemist game. You know, you you're plodding along, and then all of a sudden it's the last round. And it's like, oh no, what's my last <laughs> action's going to be? Got, yeah, I've got to wreck shop as much as possible <laughs> yes. and collect the all, all the kind of the the ore at the mm. at the same time. Yeah. Um. I mean, is there? I mean, you mentioned obviously there's the family side of things, but it sounds like there's this isn't just family orientated game. It no. sounds like you could, you know, it sounds like you could actually be there could be a bit of infighting going, well, <laughs> going one, on. One, one after of the it. best quotes I got from a group that played at the Glasgow Games Festival was it was an excellent frenemies game. So there was oh, four yeah, guys yeah. that were all sitting playing, and yeah. they had a blast, an absolute blast, and they were all really going for each other mm-hmm. um and it, it was fantastic you know and they enjoyed that um real scope of being able to just attack each other you yeah. know it wasn't i don't think any of them made much money <laughs> i think they were too but, busy ramming the carts into each other to make sure nobody else made any money but yeah. they loved it they had a really really good time so there, there, there is it is a game that you could play with um, a group of adult friends um, as a small filler or just as a you know a light-hearted game if you know you're about to play or have just played a really heavy game. Well, for, I mean, even 40 minutes, 60 minutes, I mean, that's a decent, you know, that's still a decent length of time to to play it. Most, you know, most adults will play it in a bit, if it's four adults, you'll play it in about 30 minutes. That's perfect then. I mean, putting awesome to one side... I mean, with you now, as we said, about to press the button tomorrow when you finish work, is there other? I mean, with you now <clears throat> getting to the point where you know you've 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 this is you know this is this is happening. Is there other games on the horizon? I mean, has this kind of spurned you on to say, well, actually, what else could I do? What other ideas could I have? Because it sounds like you. You mentioned how much you can your love for the kind of alchemists kind of side of things. <laughs> um, has that made you think? Well, here, no, actually, this could maybe work, and that could maybe work. And have you got a couple of other ideas sitting in the notebook ready to go as well? Um, I've got a small game that I'm sort of thinking on, uh, which is really sort of a three to five year old game. Because um, I've got two grandchildren, I've got a. Um, older boy Lewis has got two children, right. um, so you know we do think on what sort of games can we play with them, and mm-hmm. this you know so I've got a game that it's not quite developed. I've not really sort of play tested it well, no. um, and it's about sort of creating sandwich. It's a sandwich shop, and you've got to make sandwiches for various different customers that come in, and yeah. be the you know the the, the weird wee old granddad down the street or whatever. Uh, but <laughs> okay. you know, so I've got, I'm at that point where I'm sort of trying to think of good characters that would engage children that they would find funny but yeah. not scary. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, so I've got that as, as one idea. But actually, our next game for One Free Elephant is a 
a company is going to be my husband's game. And he's developed oh. um, a game called Carcosa. Oh, and right. So okay. it's a Lovecraftian game. Um, sort of where you are... It's a, t- it's a tile-based game where you're creating uh, the city of Carcosa. Um, and there's all sorts of rituals um, that you can uh, do so that... Um, I'm not very good at explaining this particular game. Um, yeah, but there's, there's all sorts of rituals and things that you can do that sort of help. There's help great move ones the game along. and astral gods and <laughs> sacrifices. No, I think there's just, yeah, the sacrifices. You've got Hastur, and um, and then you've got right. it's, 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 and everything like that. Well, well, it's it's based on that particular story, um, right, okay. the King in Yellow, um, which was set in the city of Carcosa. All um, right. Okay. Um. But yeah, so we're looking forward to that. That's going to be. Uh, When's the next that going to be coming out? When's that? When are you thinking about putting that out to, out to to like? Because obviously you know that that means is that Nigel, will have to have his time in the sun. Yeah. <laughs> do you hear that, but, Nigel? But I'll get to do all the production work behind it. Like this, working with all the. <laughs> so, so yeah, so so Nigel's been really supportive. Doing a lot of like the the graphical well, we'll, work. And, we'll, we'll get him on here that then. Sort of stuff, yeah. yeah <laughs> we'll get him on here it. then. No, no, no. We'll get him on here when his game's ready to go. We'll um, we'll get him on here and he can tell us all about it and and, and completely decimate my ability to know anything about HP Lovecraft. <laughs> to be perfectly honest, um, no, that's a promise. There you go. It's recorded now. It's unless recorded it edit. Unless well, no, I can I can edit it out so it never existed. Uh, which is always good. Um, no, I mean, no, that's so. You've got that. You've got that game as well. Do you? I mean, with you, you know, having the, having the kids, the teenagers, and with you, obviously having the grandchildren as well. Do you think there's maybe scope for there to be more kind of kids games, which are kind of like more like the kind of board games that the kind of because the more kind of board games that adults play I mean is there more exciting things that kids could be playing apart from maybe Cluedo and Monopoly and stuff like that I think there are I mean you've got things like um, like Dungeon Pets which yes. have got fantastic little miniatures you know yeah. I, and that sort of game it's you know you can play it with smaller children where you're assisting them and how they can make the decisions, um, yeah. just just by explaining to them, oh, this does this and this does this, yeah. and and playing it not cooperatively, but as cooperatively as you possibly can, so that they don't feel overwhelmed by decisions, etc. You know, yeah, you, you can always house rule a game so that they maybe get to learn more about how to play a game. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to kind of like be on the rules and everybody. I mean, I got my nephew who's. Um, He's, I mean, we got my nephew, he got him King of Tokyo. Now, if I had been in a normal toy shop up the town and had been looking in the shelves and like Toys R Us, other kids' shops are available, <laughs> um, you would never ever see something like King of Tokyo there. You would never see Catan Jr. or anything like that there as well. And, you know, I go about a lot of these shops and thinking... All I see, you've got twenty-seven flavors of Monopoly, and you've got, you know, it's very disappointing. Got, I don't know what it. I don't know what it is. I don't know if we're we're into the point now where maybe, with the likes of maybe Asmodee, you know, being such a big force as they are, they might be starting to push maybe the retail chains. But I'm still, I'm still quite disappointed when I see somebody going, "Oh, what do you think of this?" and they're picking up, you know. They're picking up Mr. Pop. Now, Mr. Pop is a fantastic game. And I've, you know, I do love kind of, you know, setting the clock and finding his nose and stuff like that. But I would always like to see a kid maybe pick up, you know, as I said, King of Tokyo or something along those lines and, you know, maybe know that they're going to have fun with that kind of of instead. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing for a lot of children's games is it seems to be it's all about the plastic components. Yes. It's not about the gameplay necessarily or you know, the expectations of what a child will get out of a game, 
but just oh, there's lots of plastic. Yeah, no, but you on know. the joke, on the joking side of it, there's a lot of kind of like there's a lot of kind of Kickstarter backers that would be thoroughly disappointed if you told them they weren't going to be getting their plastic components yeah. in their latest kind of board game as well. Yeah, you know, so maybe the maybe the two are closer than we actually we actually think. But I just um, think a lot of hobbyists don't push games though into those markets. If you look over in America at the moment, um, there's an awful lot of proper hobby games are getting into places like Target and Walmart yeah, yeah. And, and I just think that maybe over here people aren't actually going to those Target markets and saying, will you sell my game? Yeah. You know, I, I, mean, I mean, I know that, um, I mean, I know that guys like, um, you know, I've seen, I know Waterstones are definitely starting up. I mean, funnily enough, yeah. places like the Works as well, I've seen a couple of uh, games in the works of all places the works is fantastic for finding kind of every single type of entertainment under the sun in terms of books and games and stuff like that but we've seen board games in there as well from time to time you know games like Taj Mahal and stuff like that have kind of cropped up in those places um but we'll see I mean as I say it's we're in a as we always keep on saying board games seem to be in a kind of a, a wonderful place uh with our and hopefully within the next kind of uh two, three months, um, you know, Orson will be joining that lovely list of games that we can expect to, to see very, very soon. Um, I mean, if people are wanting to... I mean, we'll put out the link on the show notes. That goes without... And we'll put all the ways that you can reach us. But if people want to find you on the... If they're listening to this and they say, well, listen, Orson sounds fantastic. Um how would I find out about it? How can I kind of find you guys on the interwebs? Have you got a presence on online? We do. Um, we've got um, a Facebook page. So it's okay. basically uh, one free elephant on Facebook. Okay. Um, we have, um, we're on Twitter. So we're okay. at one free elephant. Okay. Um, so that that's about the only so online presence we have. As of mm. tomorrow, we'll find us on Kickstarter. There you um, go. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, I mean, people are more than welcome to either email me. They can email me at Sarah at onefreeelephant.co.uk. Cool. Where did the um, where did the one free elephant come from? Oh, so my husband um, so made this little three D elephant on the three D printer, um, and so he'd, he'd given it to me. It was one of the first sort of test things that he'd made. Uh, and when we were sort of sitting around talking about, well, what would what would we name the company? Yeah. The elephant was just sitting on the windowsill. And I thought, well, how <laughs> about it. one free elephant? That's you know, it. I like that idea. We can just, you know, there'll be a, an elephant in every game. <laughs> so let's talk about the elephant in the room then. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> kind of thing. And I just, I love that idea that there's a little component that yeah. will be provided that's got nothing to do with the game, that you can use it for, you know, any means. There's some of the reviewers use the elephant as the first player token. So even well, though there, there is a first player token in the game, they prefer to use the little elephant instead. So, so it's, it's a go. nice little thing to have. So that's going to be from now on. So when Nigel does his, his <laughs> HP Lovecraft... There'll Cthulhu be an elephant as well. beings thing. Folk are going to open up and go, right, I like this artwork, I like this artwork. And there's just going to be a little elephant yes. sitting in there looking malevolent <laughs> with maybe three or four trunks instead of just the one. So he, looks just a bit, one. he looks a bit cthulhu yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, it has been. Yeah. Okay, I like no. As you know, I um, we as I say, and I keep saying, we will um, <clears throat> we'll make sure that the um, the link for the Kickstarter is in the show notes. Super. We shall put it out there far and wide. Um, if you are obviously interested in finding out more about um or some, then you know, check out the links in the show notes. If you are interested in keeping an eye on what we do and guys you've given us a year and we're you know me and Colin are really really grateful that you've even stuck around and listened to the majority of my nonsense anyway um you can find us on twitter at we're not wizards you can find us on facebook at we're not wizards we have got uh, the website we're not wizards.com as well where you can pick up on all the the older episodes 
Um, we're on Instagram, We're Not Wizards. We're, we're kind of on YouTube. We're kind of there, but we're not really doing anything at all. Um, or you can email us, which is magic at we'renotwizards.com or .co.uk. Um, there's only a couple more things to do, Sarah. And the first thing is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards? No, we're not wizards. Definitely not. We're miners. Yes! <laughs> we're looking for ore, and we think we've found an elephant. <laughs> and the second thing is to say goodbye to all the fabulous people who are listening this evening. So it is a goodbye from Sarah. Goodbye. It is a goodbye from me. Stay safe. Um, Nanu Nanu, this is Mort calling awesome. Come in awesome. I had to do it. (laughs) Come in and mime with me. Um, No, but again, um, as I say, stay safe, go mining, find some ore. Have a look at this Kickstarter because it's going to be out. I mean, if you, I mean, if you're struggling for somebody to give you a gift idea on Valentine's Day, <laughs> just this point them it. in the direct, yeah. point them in the direction of the link. You know, yeah. if you like, if you want to mine from my heart, you'll go for awesome. And that's as bit cheesy as they get. That's very cheesy. <laughs> I expect there to be a quote on the Kickstarter website for that. But um, until next time, um, it. Uh, All that's left to say is goodbye. Bye for now.